Hello, ladies and germs. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to the brand new Tribe of Mentors podcast. For those who have no background on me, I'm an author, early stage investor in 50 plus companies like Facebook, Twitter, Uber, Alibaba, and many others, and the host of The Tim Ferriss Show, which is a long form podcast with more than 200 million downloads. Tribe of Mentors, this new gig, is an experimental podcast similar in flavor to The Tim Ferriss Show, but much shorter much more distilled. This is season one planned for 10 to 15 episodes. And instead of my usual two to four hour interviews, Tribe of Mentors packs a punch, or so it's intended, in say 10 to 30 minutes on average and delivers tools, habits, and lessons learned from world-class performers in every field you can imagine. So you can think of this as a caffeine jolt of not just inspiration, but also tactical advice that you can use. The Tribe of Mentors podcast is largely adapted from my new book of the same name, Tribe of Mentors, subtitled Short Life Advice from the Best in the World, which details the routines, habits, tools of more than 130 people who are the best at what they do, including elite athletes like Kelly Slater and Dara Torres, legendary coaches like Dan Gable, at least a dozen billionaires and iconic investors, co-founders of companies like Facebook, Twitter, Dropbox, Craigslist, and others, poker and cryptocurrency, phenoms, and many geniuses you've never, ever heard of. In some cases, those are my favorites. And you can learn all about Tribe of Mentors at tribeofmentors.com. That's the book. Or find it wherever books are sold. But let's get into the audio interview. Today's guest is Jocko Willink on Twitter at Jocko Willink, Facebook Jocko Willink, jockopodcast.com. Jocko is one of the scariest human beings imaginable. He is a lean 230 pounds and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who used to tap out 20 Navy SEALs per workout. He is a legend in the special operations world, and his viral podcast interview with me on The Tim Ferriss Show was the first public interview he ever did. Jocko spent 20 years in the U.S. Navy and commanded SEAL Team 3's Task Unit Bruiser, the most highly decorated special operations unit from the Iraq War. Upon returning to the U.S., Jocko served as the officer in charge of training for all West Coast SEAL teams, designing and implementing some of the most challenging and realistic combat training in the world. After retiring from the Navy, he co-founded Echelon Front, or Echelon Front, depending on who you ask, a leadership and management consulting company, and co-authored the number one New York Times bestseller, Extreme Ownership, subtitle, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. He has since authored a best-selling children's book, Way of the Warrior Kid, and his latest, Discipline Equals Freedom, subtitle, Field Manual, which details his unique mental and physical operating system. Jocko also discusses human nature through the lenses of war, leadership, and business on his top-rated podcast, Jocko Podcast. Last but not least, Jocko is a husband, an avid surfer, and the father of four highly motivated children. Jocko, what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? Or what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? At some point, about halfway through my 20-year career in the SEAL teams, I read About Face by Colonel David Hackworth. I haven't stopped reading it since. Hackworth came up through the ranks and served as an infantry officer in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. He was revered by his men and respected by all who worked with him. While the stories of combat are incredible and there is much to be learned about battlefield tactics in the book, the real lessons for me are about leadership. I adapted many of his leadership principles over the years and still continue to learn from his experiences. 
Thanks for everything, Colonel Hackworth. And that was the answer that I gave in the Tribe of Mentors book. And actually, just to expand on that a little bit, when I did my second deployment to Iraq in 2006, I actually had this book next to my bed. And every night when I would go, I would read a little bit of this book and I could open up this book anywhere and get something out of it. Even if I just read for 10 minutes or five minutes, it was interesting because they were dealing with the same things in Vietnam that we were dealing with in Iraq. The working with the Iraqi soldiers was similar to the American soldiers working with the Vietnamese, the South Vietnamese army. And we were facing an enemy that was very similar, would blend into the local populace. And the big threats were snipers and booby traps or what we called IEDs. They called them booby traps during Vietnam and indirect fire from mortars. And yeah, like I said, I read that book every night for about halfway through the deployment. I needed a little bit of a mental rest. And I was just embroiled everything was war all day long and all night long and eventually I needed a little bit of a mental break from that and the random book that happened to be in this location I was at that I picked up was the electric Kool-Aid acid test by Tom Wolf which is about the 60s and it's about hippies and it's about psychedelic drugs and it was a good mental break because obviously it was completely the opposite of what I was experiencing at the time so it kind of got me out of there and there was a a section of the book that I actually that really stuck with me and it it's a section of the book it takes place at an anti-war rally and it's Ken Casey the guy that wrote one flew over the cuckoo's nest and he there's this rally going on and he gets up on stage and he's basically telling the people maybe not necessarily what they want to hear and I actually pulled the quote out here from the book and he says you're not going to stop this war with this rally that's what they do they've been having war for 10,000 years and you're not going to stop it this way 10,000 years and this is the game they play to do it and then he goes on to say, and again, the crowd's kind of listening and, and kind of, kind of, I guess, just not really comprehending what he's saying, but he's saying it anyways. And then he says this, I went to see the Beatles last month and I heard 20,000 girls screaming together at the Beatles and I couldn't hear what they were screaming either, but you don't have to. They're screaming, me, 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 I'm me. That's the cry of the ego, and that's the cry of this rally. Me, 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 and that's why wars get fought. Ego. Because enough people want to scream, pay attention to me. Yep, you're playing their game. And again that kind of struck me that on the other side of the world in another time from a completely different point of view of my own the ego is still something that needs to be watched and I and that that little section of that book put a permanent alarm system in my head that sounds off if I ever start screaming me 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 I'm me pay attention to me so watch out Pay attention for that. Keep your ego in check. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have any favorite failure of yours? During my second tour in Iraq, 
I was commander of SEAL Team 3 Task Unit Bruiser. We were deployed to the war-torn city of Ramadi, the epicenter of the insurgency at the time. Only a few weeks into the deployment, we conducted a large operation in conjunction with U.S. Army soldiers, U.S. Marines, and friendly Iraqi Army soldiers. There were multiple elements on the battlefield, all engaged in heavy contact. In the fog of war, mistakes were made. Bad luck emerged. Things went wrong. There ended up being a vicious firefight between one of my SEAL elements and a friendly Iraqi unit. An Iraqi soldier was killed and several others were wounded, including one of my SEALs. It was a nightmare. And while there was plenty of blame to go around and plenty of people who had made mistakes, I realized there was only one person to blame, me. I was the commander, I was the senior man on the battlefield, and I was responsible for everything that happened. Everything. As a leader, there is no one else to blame. Don't make excuses. If I don't take ownership of problems, I can't solve them. That's what a leader has to do. Take ownership of the problems, the mistakes, and the shortfalls, and take ownership of creating and implementing solutions to get those problems solved. Take ownership. And that brief story right there is actually the story that is the opening chapter of the book that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin, the book Extreme Ownership. And and, and that idea of extreme ownership is the foundation of all the other combat leadership principles that are in the book. And I also did a TED talk about this, or I should say a TEDx talk about this. And it people people hear it, they hear this idea and they like it. It's been a popular book. It's been a popular TED talk. But it's one of those things that's It's easy to hear, it's easy to say, it's easy to understand, but it's actually hard to do. The thing that makes it so hard to do generally is the same thing I just talked about, and that is ego. We don't want to take the blame. We don't want to be the one that's at fault, and that hurts our ego. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't take ownership of things, then there's no way you can change them so take ownership. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Discipline equals freedom. Everyone wants freedom. We want to be physically and mentally free. We want to be financially free and we want more free time. But where does that freedom come from? How do we get it? The answer is the opposite of freedom. The answer is discipline. You want more free time? Follow a more disciplined time management system. You want financial freedom? Implement long-term financial discipline in your life. Do you want to be physically free to move how you want and to be free from many health issues caused by poor lifestyle choices? Then you have to have the discipline to eat healthy food and consistently work out. We all want freedom. Discipline is the only way to get it.
So that's a pretty short answer that I gave. And I talk about this a lot. And someone asked me actually recently where that concept came from. And it actually came from I was trying to explain to some young SEALs just graduating from our basic SEAL training course, kind of how I lived my life. And, and I used those words, discipline equals freedom. And from there, I just kind of realized that I had always kind of applied that to everything I did, both as a leader and as an individual. And I said it the first time I was on Tim's podcast, which was actually the first interview I ever did in my life, the Tim Ferriss show number 107. And, and what was cool was, you know, Tim asked this question of if you could put something on a gigantic billboard. And then later, Tim actually did that. When he launched the Tools of Titans book, he actually put this on billboards in New York City. And it was pretty awesome to see. And and I actually, at the same time he was doing that, I was actually writing a book called Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. And that kind of goes into the details of my own personal operating system. First part's kind of what I think about things like how I handle setbacks and how I maintain the discipline and how I deal with things like procrastination and just just thoughts in my life. And then the second part of the book is the actual actions I take in my life, which is how I work out and what I eat and my sleep habits and martial arts training and what I do when I'm sick or I'm injured and how I handle those kind of situations. So it's all that kind of stuff. And I also broke this concept down in a pretty simple way for a kid's book that I wrote called Way of the Warrior Kid. And this is the book that I wish I had when I was younger. So I could have gotten on the path a little earlier. (laughs) Because I don't think kids really figure that out. I know I didn't figure it out early enough. But it's good to see. It's kind of cool to see, you know, from that simple kind of podcast with Tim Ferriss in 2015. It's cool to see that idea of discipline equals freedom out there and sort of a lifestyle for some people. So that's been cool. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Ever since I have had a home with a garage, I've had a gym in my garage. It is one of the most important factors in allowing me to work out every day, regardless of the chaos and mayhem life delivers. The convenience of being able to work out anytime without packing a gym bag, driving, parking, changing, then waiting for equipment, the home gym is there for you. No driving, no parking, no little locker to cram your gear into. In your home gym, you never wait for equipment. It is waiting for you, always. And perhaps most important, you can listen to whatever music you want as loud as you want it. Get some. Not much to add on that one. Get yourself a home gym. Go. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Reading and writing every day. Free your mind. That was my answer in Tribe of Mentors. And just to kind of expand on that a little bit, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was explaining to him that writing and reading has done a lot for me. And I do writing and reading primarily because I have to. 
So I write books and with books, there's deadlines. And so I have to sort through my ideas and fully develop them so that they make sense. And when you do that, you actually comprehend things better and you understand and you learn more about yourself. And as far as reading go, I read books for my podcast and the podcast comes out once a week. And so I have to be reading all the time. And I, and I can't just be reading haphazardly. I have to read with intent to understand the information and then parse out the best parts to cover on the podcast and, and then how those parts relate to my experiences in, in my life and in war. And those things have made me smarter and given me a better understanding, not only of other people's experiences, but also of my own experiences and how they all fit together. So read and write. Jocko, what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student about to enter the real world? Work harder than everyone else. Of course, that is easy when you love your job, but you might not love your first job or your second or even your third. That doesn't matter. Work harder than everyone else. In order to get the job you love or start the company you want, you have to build your resume, your reputation, and your bank account. The best way to do that? Outwork them all. Now, for me, that was my, that was my answer in the book. For me, I got really lucky because I enlisted in the military at the age of 18 and I loved my job. It was awesome and up until the day I retired, it was awesome. I spent the last three years, I was running the training out for the West Coast SEAL teams and I, we were teaching fire and maneuver and shoot, move and communicate and how to close with and destroy the enemy and, and teaching combat leadership. So it was an awesome, awesome 20 years. And then I retired from the SEAL teams, but I was kind of been able to maintain living the dream started the leadership and management consulting company echelon front and what we still teach there is combat leadership the same combat leadership principles i used to teach in the seal teams now teach to people to utilize in their business and in life and on top of that again continuing to do things that i love to do well, my podcast, it's about human nature, but really it's about human nature through the lens of leadership and war, which are two things that I am very interested in and that I love talking about and researching. So I still get to do what I love there. And I, I again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not like it's not hard work. And I still say outwork them all. But I will say this, if you love doing it, then it's actually not hard work. As hard as it might be, if you love doing it, it's not hard work. So my advice, try and do something that you love. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? Prioritize and execute. I learned this in combat. When things are going wrong, when multiple problems are occurring all at once, when things get overwhelming, you have to prioritize and execute. Take a step back. Detach from the mayhem. Look at the situation and assess the multitude of problems, tasks, or issues. Choose the one that is going to have the biggest impact and execute on that. If you try to solve every problem or complete every task simultaneously, you will fail at all of them. 
pick the biggest problem or issue that will provide the most positive impact. Then focus your resources on that and attack it. Get it taken care of. Once you've done that, you can move on to the next problem or issue, then the one after that. Continue doing that until you have stabilized the situation. Prioritize and execute. And that's a, that, that question is teed up pretty well for my old job where I taught combat leadership. And that's one of the four laws of combat that we put out and teach. And it's what we use in the battle or Mahdi, And it's covered in the book we wrote uh, extreme ownership and, and the laws of combat are, are fairly straightforward. The first one is cover and move. And that means teamwork. The next one is simple, and that means you have to keep things simple and communicate things in a simple, clear, concise manner. Then comes prioritize and execute, which I just talked about. And then finally, decentralized command, which means everybody leads. And those laws right there, they've been tested on the battlefield. And what's what's been cool to see is now they've been tested in the business world with scores of different companies, and it's been awesome to see those combat leadership principles applied in such a wide variety of situations and industries and have them be very impactful. Now, the next few questions are questions that I didn't answer in the book Tribe of Mentors. And I kind of talk about a little bit, maybe I should figure out why I didn't answer these questions. So the first question, What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? Okay. I didn't answer this question because I I just don't buy that much (laughs) other than books and steak is is my basic. That's where most of my money goes. And I I, kind of have what I need and everything I buy is pretty much functional and I use it for a really long time. Uh, I guess if I had to dig deep and just throw out something that I think could benefit a lot of people is a pair of gymnastic rings, a pair of wood gymnastic rings. They cost like 50 bucks and you can do all kinds of exercises on them. They take up almost no room. You can hang them just about anywhere and there's pretty unlimited ways to use them to get stronger and improve your overall fitness. So get a set of wood gymnastic rings. Next. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I think I didn't answer this question because I would like there to be some kind of level of privacy (laughs) in my world. And I don't know, it just seemed like answering this would just give away too much. And I guess I still feel that way. But anyways, to admit something, maybe, I don't know if it's unusual, maybe it's not unusual at all. A couple things. Number one, I love mint chocolate chip milkshakes. Boom, get some. Number two, and this might be a little bit, again, unusual, but the pretzel wrapped hot dogs that they sell in airports, I really like those things too. So, and finally, maybe this is the only one that's odd or absurd or whatever, but I like old books that smell musty. I like those. I like when I crack them open. Seems like there's more wisdom in those old books. Next question. What are bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? So for this one, I would say people ask me a lot about 
joining the military. And I would say don't join the military or military organizations for a, a challenge, like a personal challenge. Don't join them to prove something to yourself and don't join the military or something like the SEAL teams because you want to upgrade your resume. Just don't do that because, I mean, being in the SEAL teams or being in the military, it's an exciting job. Yes, absolutely. You have a great mission to protect freedom and democracy and you get to work with awesome gear that looks really cool and even more important you get great people working with great people all the time is is very cool and a lot of those things might tempt someone and those are those seem like good reasons to join the military or to try and get into a job like the SEAL teams but I would just say never forget that the job in the SEAL teams is to go to war and the nature of war is death and that's it. Part of the job sounds like a lot of fun stuff. But again, when you're in the SEAL teams, your job is to kill people. And the other part of the job is that someone else is trying to kill you and they might. And I have lost a lot of friends. And if you're thinking about joining the military, do it for the right reasons. Not for a personal challenge, not for your resume. Do it because you want to serve. Do it because you want to protect this country and make sure that if you step into that role that you are ready to live and if necessary die because that is the nature of the job and the last question that I hadn't answered or I did not answer in tribe of mentors in the last five years what have you become better at saying no to? What new realizations and or approaches helped? Any other tips? Real quick on this one. If you're going to say no, say it early. Just like any hard conversation that you might have to have, the earlier you have that conversation, the easier it is. And the longer you wait to have a hard conversation, the harder the conversation gets. So when you Want to say no? Say no. And I think that is it for the questions. So thanks, of course, to Tim for having me on and for all the help that you've given me. And for those of you that don't know, Tim and I were introduced through our mutual friend, Dr. Peter Atia. And since that time, Tim's given me all kinds of help, support, and everything that I've been doing. And it's awesome. So appreciate all that, Tim. And to everyone else out there listening, trying to get better and trying to be better, stay on the disciplined path every day. Because in the end, it's the discipline that equals freedom. This is Jocko. No further traffic. Out. Hey guys, Tim Ferriss again. If you enjoyed this, just a little taste of 
this guest, then you will love Tribe of Mentors, the book. Subtitle, Short Life Advice from the Best in the World, which details the routines, habits, and tools of more than 130 people who are the best at what they do. And you can pick and choose. It is a choose-your-own-adventure buffet, but you have just about everyone imaginable. And you can find free chapters, the full list of mentors at tribeofmentors.com and wherever books are sold. So take a look, tribeofmentors.com. Thank you.